Welcome to We Have This Hope. My name is Emily Curzon. This is a podcast about the study of scripture, the art of remembering, and the practice of telling. On the show, we'll explore the ways God calls his people to remember by studying scripture together, and we'll hear individual stories of hope anchored in the beautiful and ancient practice of remembering. I'm so glad you're here. Welcome to today's episode. Today I have with me my friend Cheryl Wood. Cheryl is a certified birth and postpartum doula. She's helped women both locally and internationally. She's a mother of five and a grandmother of three and a native to Tulsa, Oklahoma, where she lives with her husband, Charlie. And I first met Cheryl in the early days of our church here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our husband's kind of knew of each other, or at least my husband knew of your husband's. There was a little crossover there. And like you do, if you're involved in the local church, you begin to know and admire the people that you worship and serve alongside. And that's how Cheryl came. We crossed paths. Um, I was thinking about the Cheryl that you brought us a meal after our twins were born. And kind of since that time, I've just continued to see you and enjoy working with you and serving with you at church. And I'm excited to hear your story. You'll hear more about this as she tells her story. But earlier in the year, my mom, who works closely with a family of refugees from Afghanistan, asked me, do you know someone named Cheryl Wood? (laughs) To which I happily replied, yes, I do. And so yet again, our paths crossed as Cheryl's worked alongside this same really special family with my parents for the last year or so. Cheryl, welcome to the podcast. I'm so happy that you're here. Thanks, Emily. I'm really glad to be here. What I already know about your story is really beautiful, but I'm actually going to be learning alongside people who are listening. I'm excited just for you to reflect and to remember God's hand in bringing you to your current work and how that's influenced your faith and your hope in Jesus and will continue to. So would you start by telling us a little bit about what a doula is? I feel like doulas have become more, it's become more of a thing. So tell us what's a doula and maybe like what started you on the path to becoming one? Sure. So Doulas are becoming more prevalent in American culture, I think. But the idea of a doula has been around for thousands of years. The The word doula is actually Greek for woman who serves. So what that translates to for us today is that a birth and a postpartum doula is a trained non-medical support person for pregnant, birthing, and postpartum women. So... The support that we provide during that season is practical, informational, physical, emotional, spiritual, if that's welcomed, support Mm -hmm. that just helps people through pregnancy and actually in the labor and delivery room. And then for an extended time, we call the fourth trimester. Some people may be listening and wondering, how's that different than a midwife? Yeah, that's a, a pretty common question. So a midwife is actually a medical professional. Midwives deliver babies. Mm. I don't deliver babies. I I hold hands. I give like hip compressions and lower back pressure and encouragement and knowledge and education all along the way. But I'm not a medical professional, so I don't prescribe medicine. I 
don't do any sort of you know, vital checks, anything like that. I actually had a doula mm-hmm. when Ella was born, and it was a really wonderful experience. I had no idea what they were, but I had some doctor anxiety and just kind of healthcare related anxiety. And so our doula was like, I really needed her to help me advocate for what I wanted. And she was awesome. So just a little plug from personal experience. But tell me, how did you become one? Like what set you on the path? You're a mom of five and how'd you get here? So the story of how I became a doula is really intertwined with how I ended up working with the Afghan refugee community. Yeah. So all the years of raising my own children, having them, I I just really learned to love that season of, of being pregnant and having babies and postpartum. And I know it can be a really tough season for some people, but as I was seeing in my life that that, that ship was passing, I, I wanted to stay connected to that world. And so it was a dream that I had for a long time. But as you can imagine, raising five kids is kind of keeps one busy. So it's just yeah. something I put on the back burner. And then in 2018, the last of my children was just getting more dependent, about to start driving. And so I just decided it's time to do it. So I, I took workshops and began to train for my role as a birth and a postpartum doula. And my first clients really were friends of my kids, which was just really sweet to see life go full circle. Some kids that I'd known since they were, you know, in middle school or high school or something or college coming to me for that kind of support. So I really loved that. How was becoming a doula kind of a natural extension of the gifts that you already have? That's a really good question. I I guess I have always found myself, I, I almost don't want to use the word mentor because I don't think it's a word that my generation grew up using so much. Mm-hmm. And then I think that, that the generation that you and Dustin are part of have been very, very intentional about that. But I guess unofficially, I found myself doing that a lot, whether it was for my children or for their friends or just younger women within the church. And I guess that uh, just kind of blended with my love of all things pregnancy and birth. And Mm -hmm. so it seemed like the perfect match. Yeah. You're definitely in the right church for this line of work. Yes, yes, yes. We have so many new babies. It's wonderful. It's really wonderful. In fact, my youngest are five, and I feel like the older mom. (laughs) If that tells you, you know, what the demographics of our church are like. So, well, I want to get to talking a little bit about this article that you sent me when we were talking about your work with refugee families. Cheryl has a beautiful article that I will link in the show notes that was published by Dona International. Tell us a little bit, what is Dona International? Yes, Dona is the world's largest doula certification organization. And so I have my postpartum certification through them, trained with them for both birth and postpartum work. And just a mentor to me within that organization suggested I, I submit an article to their quarterly magazine about mm-hmm my work with refugee families. And so I did and it got published. The title of the article is really beautiful. It's about a dream becoming a reality. So would you 
tell us what the dream was and maybe how it came to be. When I first began to hear your podcast and the whole theme of remembering, I just I just could not help but think how there'd been so many wonderful points of remembering for me in this journey. And like I said, it's it's intertwined in the year of 2018 when I did my training to become a doula. My family, actually my husband and our youngest daughter and I had the opportunity to spend several weeks that summer in Turin, Italy with Charlie's work. And through a set of circumstances that only God could have ordained, which would be a whole other story in and of itself, we found ourselves volunteering in a refugee community there in Turin. We were just teaching some classes in conversational English. And through that experience, getting to know and put a face and names and personalities to people who'd had to flee their country, mm-hmm. it just was life-changing for, for us. And for me, I, I left that year of learning and serving and just growing, saying that my dream job would be to be a doula to refugees. Mm-hmm. And, and it was... Syrian refugees? They were, most of the women that I connected with were Syrian refugees, but we were also working with refugees from Africa, some from South America, but mostly Syrian and Middle Eastern. And so, you know, I would say that to my husband sometimes about my dream job, jokingly, but also with a bit of a serious nature to it. And one thing I love about your podcast, Emily, is how Dustin has come along to help make your dream a reality. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and as I was preparing for this conversation, I just looked back and and Charlie didn't let that dream fade for me. He didn't mm. let it be just a off the cuff kind of, uh, I'd love yeah. to do this kind of thing. I didn't even know, but he began researching international doula opportunities. And so fast forward like to the beginning of 2021, he sent me a link to an organization called Doulas Without Borders. And it's a UK-based organization that serves just underserved women through pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And it had a program within the program called Mother Tongue And that was the opportunity to train refugee women living in the UK to serve women within their own community. So what that meant is that these women, mostly Syrian refugees, were being trained to act as advocates and doulas for other refugee women within their own neighborhoods and circles. But one requirement was that they be bilingual. And Mm -hmm. so through Charlie sending me this link and me communicating back and forth with the people at Doulas Without Borders, it just came about that in the spring of 2021, I got to have a series of birth chats with Syrian women in England who were in the Mother Tongue Project training to become doulas for their own communities. And I just absolutely loved it. It was just so fun getting to know these women, laughing with them, talking with them, them telling their birth stories and 
and just sharing as women something that is such a common thread for mm -hmm. all of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought that was my dream coming true, right? Oh, I'm sort of like being a doula to refugees now. And I was really content with that. I thought that's where it ended. But as we know, later that year in the late summer of 2021, the Taliban regained control of Afghanistan and thousands of people were forced to flee for their lives. Many of them people who were connected to our military and our government whose lives would really be on the line if they didn't leave the country. Mm -hmm. There were some local organizations here in Tulsa that were helping with that resettlement project. And that's how your parents got involved in becoming a support team to a family. And another doula friend of mine got involved as a volunteer, mostly picking up families from the airport taking them to their hotels where they were going to be housed early on in the project. And I, I should add that Tulsa received about 850 refugees mm -hmm. or asylum seekers from Afghanistan at that time over yeah. the course of just a few months. So my friend Shannon was volunteering, and, and as, the, as the arrivals of these families began to trickle off, she began to volunteer to take them to different appointments, doctor appointments, things like that. And she noticed that so many of these appointments were for OB visits, mm -hmm. which means that these women had fled their country, come to a completely different circumstance, many of them in their third trimester of pregnancy. Yeah. And wow. so as she began volunteering to take women to OB appointments, she became more and more familiar with their families. And that led to her invitation to attend one of the very first births of an Afghan refugee baby here in Tulsa. Wow. And so the organization that was part of the resettlement just said, oh, can you keep doing that, please? <laughs> the need was pretty great because there were a lot of families expecting babies. So she knew my, my doula to refugee dream, and she reached out to me. And together, we just said, okay, let's, let's tackle this. So that's kind of how I ended up in this place of, of serving refugee families and getting to know wow. them as friends. Going back to Charlie's role in it, I love your point about he kind of didn't let it die. Like he, I, I think that, you know, even in my experience with just trying to do something new or something that feels risky or adventurous, sometimes I think we do need someone else to take it seriously for us. Yeah. And that's really neat. And it's just cool that to, to have a spouse that says, yeah, this is, if, if God's put this in your mind to do it, then let's take it seriously and see where it goes. Yes. He, he remembered for me, even when <laughs> I would have maybe just forgotten it. Hey, that is definitely a thing. We need people to remember on yeah. our behalf. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I want to talk a little bit about just the nitty gritty of serving families resettling from Afghanistan, because I know through my parents and through watching you all serve that it's not as shiny and fun and lovely as it sounds that it's real people with real issues navigating real complex systems. 
So I wonder if you can identify what some of the challenges were in the beginning or maybe still challenges you're facing today as you're serving those families. Yeah. When my friend Shannon approached me and said, hey, can we work together on this? Of course, I, well, sure, but I knew that some of those challenges you just mentioned would be there. And I was a little frightened, to be honest, Mm -hmm. of what that would look like and how much time it would take. And was I up to it? And could I do this? And I will never, ever forget how God reminded me of my dream at that point. So that birth that Shannon attended was right at the end of 2021, like one of the last days of the year. And the day that she approached me about partnering together with her and building a team was January 2nd. And we had been given this book for Christmas called Daily Prayers with the Cory Mila Community. And the Cory Mila Community is just this community in Northern Ireland that works toward reconciliation of all different groups and people. But they had a prayer book. And the prayer for that day, the second of the month, was this. And I read this after going, oh, I don't know if I can do this. This seems huge. It's just, God, is this really you? And this is what I read. It started with the scripture from Matthew 2, 14. Then Joseph got up, took the child and his mother by night, and went to Egypt. God of exile, you were carried into Egypt by people fleeing danger. We pray for all in exile that they, like you, can find home and shelter and safety because you were exiled and you remain with the exiled. Amen. I can still to this day hardly read that prayer without crying and seeing how it was just such a beautiful confirmation from God that, yes, this this is something you should do, reminding me of that dream. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so moving forward to your question about the challenges, you know, I mean, at first it was just how we can't even do all this by ourselves. So we reached out to our circles and built a team of about a dozen women made up of doulas and therapists and social workers and ESL teachers and just prenatal yoga teachers, just a host of women (laughs) who just wanted to become involved in supporting this community. And so we because doula, being a doula is a specific training, we did not want to call ourselves and present ourselves to um, the families or to the medical professionals serving them as doulas. So we became what was known as birth advocates. And we just began to accompany women to their appointments. And the ideal was to assign each woman to a birth advocate who would kind of stick with her and take her to appointments throughout the her pregnancy and then be with her when her baby was born, pick her up when she was in labor and Mm -hmm. be with her when her baby was born. Of course, there was the language barrier that was an issue. You know, lots of sign language was used. I will never forget one of the early appointments. And it was probably the family that I ended up becoming just one of one of my closest families that I grew to grew a friendship with. But the first time I picked her up, she sat in the back seat of my car, which was not uncommon, took her to a, her appointment and through the translator, who was male, 
she was answering all the you know, very sensitive and vulnerable questions you get asked at the gynecologist. And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was just really hard. And, and as it was going on, she was toward the end of the appointment, her, her face was basically buried in my lap, you know, and just mm-hmm. because of the embarrassment and the challenge she was facing, answering these questions through a tele-translator who was a man. And I will just never forget how I, I felt so badly for her. But when we left that appointment, it was raining and we had to share an umbrella, which meant that she couldn't walk behind me, which was common practice. Mm-hmm. And we just linked arms and walked out like hand in hand, laughing about the rain. And I got to her home and she and her husband invited me in and we shared tea and that became a regular occurrence. The hospitality of the Afghan community has just blown me away. And, and, and sometimes in and of itself, that could be a challenge because there have been times <laughs> I had no idea what I was eating or times uh-huh. when my uh-huh. schedule was tight, but it was very challenging to just say, oh, no, I got to run. But, but friendships were really grown through those, mm-hmm. those meals or those tea times shared together. And that family just, went on to become really special to me. And then I was able to be there for the birth of their baby. You know, we always wondered when it was time, would they know how to communicate? But we would get a message from the husband usually saying, my wife is sick or my (laughs) wife is hurting or just something that let us know, okay, it's time. Yeah, how wonderful. I I think one of the other challenges that... um, that came about, and your parents have probably experienced this, is that once families grew to know that you were a connection, a person that they could reach out to for help, sometimes we would get all kinds of requests for (laughs) my toilet isn't working, or I, I don't have a dryer, or, you know, just all kinds of things. And sometimes, depending on the circumstances, I would just have to respond, I'm so sorry. I'm a volunteer who helps women when it's time to have a baby. But there were also times when I would reach out to our church family. Let's say it was a tangible need, like we don't have a dryer. And it was really beautiful to see how people would respond. And, you know, almost always those kind of requests were met with a group of people from our church just joining together and saying, hey, we can help with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, which was beautiful because then the circle got bigger. I was able to connect that family with, you know, this couple or with that group of people. So that was a really special thing. And although, you know, we were really very careful, we've, we've been very careful all along to respect their culture and their faith. It was totally appropriate in those situations to say, you know, this, this dryer is not from me. This is from our people from our church and we're followers of Christ. And he tells us to be kind to the foreigner, to the stranger, to the refugee living among us. And that's why people from my church who don't even know you wanted to give you this dryer. Mm. But there were times when those challenges or those kind of requests would become so weighty and, and that I would just sort of forget what my role was. And the motto of our birth advocacy team became, we do what we can do. And sometimes we, my friend Shannon, 
I became really good at reminding each other that when we received requests that were just beyond our capacity to fill. Because if you think about it, we're, this is spread out over two dozen families over mm-hmm. 20, 22 who were having babies and, and that we had our, um, you know, that we had connection to in some way. And just another point of remembering that God brought across my path. It was around Mother's Day last year, and I was going to Dallas to visit some of my kids there. And I was feeling particularly weighted down with the needs of the community I was serving. It just seemed like they were never ending. I just was carrying weight of of just the enormous challenges they were facing. Mm -hmm. And I was driving to Dallas, and literally what was normally a four-hour trip took probably five and a half or six hours because if I would stop to go to the bathroom or stop to grab coffee or gas, I would end up being stopped for like half an hour because I was just getting all these texts and requests and things. And it was just like, I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to handle all this. Well, um, that Sunday, it was Mother's Day and I went to church with my kids in Dallas. And the message was on the passage in Mark 14 about the woman who anointed Jesus and, you know, just came and poured perfume on his feet and wiped his feet with her hair and just just gave something so precious to him. And people complained and said, she shouldn't be doing this. Like, mm-hmm. she, she needs to stop. This is too much. And Jesus said, leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. And then verse 8 of that chapter says, she did what she could. Mm. And I just began to write right there in that service because it was just that reminder from God, you know, you can't do everything. Mm-hmm. You can do what I've called you to do. Mm-hmm. You can do what you can. And that's enough. That's what I'm asking you to do here. And it was just like a burden lifted off of me. Mm. Not that, not that I cease to care about their bigger needs that are still ongoing, and not that I don't sometimes have the capacity or the margin or the circumstance to speak into those needs, but it was just a reminder of what God was calling me to in that moment. And mm-hmm. and last year the work was intense because of the amount of families that arrived expecting babies. And this year, it's it's not so intense. We kind of get trickles of families that need our help, but many of them have integrated into the community now. Their English language skills have improved. Most of the husbands are working, and English language is improving. I mean, but there's still so many challenges. But but God called me to meet that particular challenge at that particular time, and He wasn't asking me to do things that He had not equipped me to do. That's such a good reminder. I think any of us, when we feel overwhelmed, if we have any sense of responsibility, then we have a tendency to take it all on our, you know, on our own shoulders. And we either burn out or we get resentful or whatever that looks like. Absolutely. That's really, you know, when you think about it, the root of that burnout is, is pride is this assumption that I can do it all or God's called me to this, so I have to do all of these things when 
it really is kind of that that image that you shared of like walking arm in arm with the woman under the umbrella of that like God's God's not called us to walk ahead of him, but arm in arm, walking out and saying like I I can do these small steps of faithfulness, but I can't do it all and I certainly can't do it without God's help. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Cheryl, I want to know how this experience when you look at it from kind of a bird's eye view now all these little points of remembering how has this experience influenced your hope your personal relationship with God moving forward I think it really has to go back to what we were just talking about just a a really great lesson in humility and not letting pride get in the way of me thinking that just because God has certain things he's asked of me that he doesn't expect me to do everything and and I think that helps me to just rest into what the work that he's doing like really honored that that a lot of times he does call us as humans alongside him for that work. But sometimes we just have to trust that he's the one doing it or that he's sending other people to mm-hmm. do the work that we can't or shouldn't do. So I think that that always gives me hope after many, many years of being a Christian. And it's so easy for our relationship with God to become rote or just based on obligation or habit. But when you get the honor of seeing God do new things, Mm. things that you, dreams that you really had no idea would be played out in the ways that they are, I think it always gives us hope. He is just constantly seeking out true relationship with us. You know, I don't... Mm -hmm. I don't ask the same thing of my husband over and over and over again. Well, I mean, I guess sometimes I do, but that's nagging. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, like like a, with our children, with our friends, that relationship just mm-hmm. it ebbs and flows into different things in different seasons. And, mm-hmm. and I just really appreciate that he's constantly there, but working in me and through me and around me in different ways. Yeah. I think the work you're doing is beautiful. I love thinking about this idea that God put in you that and then used other people to nudge and move forward being something that came to reality in Tulsa you know when we try to write our own dream into reality it looks very different than God's like no I'm I'm bring them to you like that is just such a beautiful part of your story, Cheryl. Exactly. I just assumed that would take place if it did through short-term mission trips or uh-huh. something of that nature. But yeah, for it to come to pass right here is just pretty incredible and not something I could have ever dreamed up. Yeah. What's next in your work? So we do have a, just a handful of Afghan women that we know of who are going to be giving birth in the coming year. I'm not personally like connected as the one-on-one advocate to them. I'm, I'm, I've stepped back a little bit into more of a, just a, I'm, I'm here when I'm needed kind of a role. The really, the really great thing about the timing of what happened last year was I was already taking some time off from my 
private doula practice because we had a couple of grandchildren coming. Mm. We had these travel plans. Again, my husband's work was taking us back to Europe this time for several weeks over the fall, which a really cool thing about that is this whole thing became kind of came full circle because while we were in Germany in the fall, we got to spend some extended time with one of the original couples that we taught conversational English to in Turin, Italy in 2018. And just to see how their lives have just just taken this new path. They're, they're living and working in Germany. They have a baby now. They're connected to a local church. And so to me, that was just one of those really oh. sweet gifts from God that he uh-huh. got to like take us back to, to revisit something that had kind of been a part of starting that whole dream. So I'm working on a childbirth education certification right now. And one thing I would love to see is some sort of a community class that blends for the Afghan women that blends their their culture and their practices into an evidence-based birthing experience and what that looks like here in the U.S. Because a lot of myths and wives' tales have been brought into the process of birth, of breastfeeding, that, that have been a little challenging to overcome. And so I would love to be able to offer something that blends those practices that are good and healthy and wise with what having a baby here in the U.S. looks like, because it's very, very different than what they experienced. We'll see. Maybe that's my next dream that we'll see if it becomes a reality. You know, one of the things I love about hearing people remember is that it's like you look backward to remember God's faithfulness, God's work, God's hand, it increases our faith. And then that enables us to look forward. It's like, I'm going to continue to dream about what is God going to do and how can I partner with him? Because I know from my past or from what God's done through you, Cheryl, or other people that he's up to cool things. So I'm excited, yeah, just to see what God does in the rest of your story. And as you were talking, I wasn't planning on asking this, but I I think it'd be very cool to ask you, how can we be praying for these women that you are serving? Yeah, thanks for asking that, Emily. You know, when they first arrived in the fall of 2021, there were some systems in place that helped provide some financial support to them. One thing was just like the COVID stimulus funds. They mm. they got those and some just other things that were really kind of a, a helpful safety net for them. And I don't understand the full concept of this, but those benefits and options lasted for about 18 months. So we are seeing those families trickle away from having the advantage of those and mm. now are having to just take care of some things on their own that were taken care of for them. These families have come a long, long way, but I know uh, prayer would be a wonderful support to them as they're just managing some things on their own financially, just logistically, and what that looks like. And many like. of them still have family members in Afghanistan. That's really that's also. really true. Many of them are really grieving that, mm-hmm. they, that they have family in Afghanistan. It's been 
kind of amazing to me sometimes when I'll go into a home and they'll be FaceTiming and like, here I am talking to somebody in Afghanistan as they're introducing me. I will say this, just, just, I would say just prayer for refugees in general. It's a complex issue. I don't mm-hmm. pretend to have all the answers. There's so much politically and, and safety wise and, and it just so many aspects and pieces to that puzzle. But one thing that I do know is that every refugee, whether they're coming to our country or somewhere else, they're a person, a person that, mm-hmm. you know, God knows their name and their face. And I think this experience it has really just helped me not to see news stories as just kind of a faceless mass of people, mm-hmm. but as people with kids and stories and emotions. And I, I can hardly look at pictures now of things that took place with people leaving Afghanistan in 2021 without almost wanting to close up and see like, are any of my friends in that picture? Because it just really changes it. So I think, I just think the trauma that they faced that doesn't go away quickly is just another area of prayer that would be helpful. Yeah. I want Cheryl to read a poem that she wrote that was published in her Donut International article as we close. Cheryl, tell us about the poem and then would you end it by reading it to us? Yeah, I so as I was wrapping up that article, these words just started coming to me. I don't write a lot of poetry, but they just started coming to me. And I think I think they were really inspired by that thought we were just talking about where when you have relationships and friendships with a group of people that maybe before were just others, how it changes and those same others now become friends, faces mm-hmm. and names. And so I think that that idea just really inspired this. And so it just was, it, it just kind of popped out of my writing of this article. So yeah, I'd love to read it. Yeah, please do. Weary mother bringing your child within your womb through fear-filled miles, leaving sisters and mothers your circle of care to birth your baby, God knows where. My language is not shared with you, but the ache you feel I have felt too. Will you let my hand hold your heart steady in this strange place when your little one's ready? I can only imagine the journey you faced as you fled with your family. Did your heart race? Was it painful to run? Did you trip? Did you fall? Did you wonder if you would get out after all? Did you know that the child finding refuge in you would be brought from the old to be part of the new, created in a place familiar and known? but born in a world that felt nothing like home. Weary mother, bringing your child. Within your womb, through fear-filled miles, may I be a sister, a mother, I'm willing, my friendship and welcome, a part of your healing. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Wasn't Cheryl's story beautiful? It's a great reminder that God often surprises us when he writes our story into reality in the most beautiful and surprising ways. It's something we all need to hear. I know I needed it. 
Coming up on the podcast, we're going to start our new study series, and I've decided that I want to look at the book of James. I'm a little intimidated, to be honest, but I've been doing some research on who James was, and it's made me excited, so we're just going to go for it. So if you're following along or you want to follow along, then join me this week in reading the book of James, and I'll have our first intro episode to you next week. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.